Sorry. <laughs> Top of the second hour, I always do the, the um, a cruise through the news. And I want to hit uh, several stories, and I often get distracted by what I think is the best one. But anyway, um, I want to hit uh, one story tonight I thought was just really a kind of a, a really good story. So here at Salem, you know, uh, this is a Salem station, Salem station that we're on in Colorado Springs and in Phoenix, and um, hope to soon to be on other places. And there's one of the great Salem hosts of all time is Dennis Prager. And Dennis Prager is, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know he has a wide, he has an international audience. He's very well loved. He has Prager University, uh, which is an online thing. He just does fabulous, fabulous service for America. Uh, and I'm, I'm just countless topics. Great, great guy. Anyway, Dennis Prager was really, uh, was quoted recently, you know, uh, as uh, he was in the interview, it was an article, I guess, in, uh, in this on our website, americacoming.org, but it was on Breitbart in various places, but he was quoted as saying, my opposition to Donald Trump was wrong. He is a great president. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is, I don't know, I mean, in this listening audience, you know, who all you happen to support last year in the, um, you know, in 2016, rather than the presidential primary in the Republican side. But I know a lot of people had a favorite candidate and we, you know, we work for them and, and strive to have them be successful and all that. But um, there was a lot of there were a lot of people, myself included, uh, during the primary who just, you know, Donald Trump was just a very unusual candidate, you know, not not just because he was an outsider and hadn't been in government. That was one reason all by itself. But on top of that, his whole demeanor was unlike other politicians, his manner of speaking um, and very plain spoken. And he immediately created a bond in the various remarks that he made and his speeches. And here he is a billionaire, but he created a bond with a lot of everyday hardworking Joe Americans. And he he uh, just caused them to what they heard in his message was not what the left tried to characterize, which is, oh, this guy is racist and he's this and he's all these terrible things. They heard a guy who loves America. They heard a guy who wants America to have jobs in this country. They heard someone who was talking about, you know, that America is a good, noble and, and uh, important country that we have. The, we should have secure borders, that we should have refugee immigration policies that work for the protection of America. And, and that those messages resonated with the people and they were really, really, I, I think there was also, um, we've talked about many times in the show, there was a buildup, um, pent up frustration, anger and frustration among many GOP base voters that said every time we send Republicans to Washington, all they do is capitulate to the Democrats. We never see Republicans fighting for things we want. We never see the Republicans standing up for conservative values. And so even though uh, President Trump was a non-traditional candidate by a landslide and used language we don't like and, and uh, you know, his lifestyle was, to say the least, uh, one that most Americans cannot in any way relate to. We, but there was a, um, a, a, a sense of the love of America that was so strong and, and, and respect for the American people. And, you know, it's a funny thing. 
I've mentioned before on the show, you often, if you go back to Reagan's speeches and other past presidents, you'll hear people, the president, speak of the love of the American people. It just exudes, radiates from the way the president speaks. You didn't hear that for eight years of Obama. You heard America was a bad place. American people are bad. As you heard Candace Owens making reference a moment ago, there's a, you know, there's just a, um, you know, there was a, a planting of racial suspicion and tension uh, and, and uh, deliberately on the part of President Obama that resulted in where we are. So I just wanted to give, I, I love Dennis Prager. I think he's among the most, I mean, there are many great radio hosts, but he is really uh, insightful and deep and thoughtful. I just love that he came out and said that. He just said, my opposition to Donald Trump was wrong. He's a great president um, and whose political successes are connected to disregard for left-wing and partisan Democrat news media narratives. And so I just want to say yay. And I think that what Dennis Prager, where his kind of journey um, through uh, this elect, this presidency is one that actually many, many Americans made too. I, I, I made for sure. I wasn't supporting him in the primary and I'm so grateful he's our president right now I think he's he's just doing a stellar job I also wanted to mention this this kind of you know where we had the tax bill pass and you know I mentioned I think last week that Nancy Pelosi had uh, described it as the Armageddon and we're you know, people be dying in the streets oh, it's a lunacy that she came up with but you know she said something this week that I really want to to pounce on and, and talk about why it matters Nancy Pelosi was mocking the idea that many Americans would, on average, have a thousand dollars less in tax liability because of the change in the tax bill, and she was mocking what? Oh, thousand dollars, big deal. That's crumbs to the poor. You know, crumb. That's nothing. That means nothing. It was a very derisive um, treatment, and you know, I thought it just symbolizes. It just shows how far out of touch she is. That she does not recognize. That most Americans, I'm going to guess most Americans listening to the show, $1,000 more in your wallet, I take it. Most Americans would take it. But the arrogance, the, you know, she's a multi, multi millionaire because I believe her husband's business is so out of touch with the American people, so out of touch with the working people. And, you know, again, with the, with the Democrats, they say they care for the poor, but their policies make people poor. So there you have it. Okay, we got to zip off to break. When we come back, we actually have Heather McDonald joining us. She is a brilliant and wonderful writer and speaker. And we're going to get her views on what the Me Too movement says about America's culture. Talk to you after the break. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. I'm so glad you've tuned in tonight. I mentioned before the break, we have just a great guest joining us, Heather McDonald. And she has joined me at least one other time, I think a couple of times in this show. And she is, uh, well, she's a Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute. She's a contributing editor, editor of City Journal. She's the author of The War on Cops. Um, I will tell you, one of the coolest things that Heather McDonald, she was interviewed in the Limbaugh letter, which um, when, I think it was about her book on the war on cops. But she's just a, a fabulous uh, spokesman for many, many issues in the conservative perspective and, and also just brings a very um, thoughtful tone to everything she talks about. So I'm so excited she could join us. Hi, Heather. 
Well, thank you for that gracious introduction, Debbie. That's so kind of you. Oh, I love it. And actually, you know what? I remembered while I was as you were speaking, I actually met you in person at one one of the conferences. So um, I even had the pleasure, I think, of, of recording you in person. So, but what I want to hit on was tonight. We just America's flooded with all of these the Me Too hashtag, all the stories about and and, and never to denigrate women should not have to put up with sexual harassment with with any of the bad behaviors we've been talking about. But you honed in on something about the Me Too hashtag movement and the ongoing um, attempted to, to defiance of society, what's okay, what's not. And you, were, uh, you talked about in one of the shows that this idea of we've kind of lost the ability. Uh, that what we're seeing in Me Too is the outcome of the loss of, of societal standards. Can you elaborate on what you were talking about? Well, that's absolutely right, Debbie. What we're seeing really is sexual liberation having a nervous breakdown. You know, (laughs) we... That's good. uh, Decades ago, and for millennia, human beings understood that males and females were different biologically. It's not a social construction. They have different libidos, different sex drives, different responses to casual anonymous sex. Males are going to seek it as much as they can. And uh, they're going to walk away from, you know, casual encounters, not feeling a whole lot of emotional uh, reaction. And females respond to sex differently, and they're not really equal to the male libido. And to acknowledge those differences and to protect females from what can be real male aggression in seeking, seeking sex, society developed norms to protect females and civilized males, norms like gentlemanliness, chivalry, decency. For females, the norms of of modesty and prudence and, and chastity. And the most important thing that we did was set the default for premarital sex at no. And it was just a default. The female could decide she wanted to have premarital sex with some guy she just met. But she didn't have to negotiate with the male libido every time to get to know. And then sexual liberation came around and decided that all those norms were sexist and patriarchal and repressive and that males and females were identical, that we should have as much sex as early on as possible. And it set the default for sex at yes. And females are finding it very difficult to say no because sex is complicated. It is fraught with ambiguity and uncertainty and mystery and fear and embarrassment. And, you know, the big flap that we saw with the Aziz Ansari episode was a classic example of what happens when the default is now set at yes. You know, I was amazed to see these conservative commentators characterizing this as basically, well, it was just sort of a date that went on the wrong foot or something. Even conservatives are now kind of accepting that this is perfectly normal. They've, they've exchanged maybe ten words with each other about cameras. She walks into his apartment, and they're immediately giving each other oral sex because that now is the default assumption. She found it difficult to say no. We can criticize her for that. We can say, don't blame Asari. You know, be a strong woman and take responsibility for yourself. That's all fine. But the underlying truth of that interaction is more important than 
criticizing the feminist take on it. The underlying truth is is that when you get rid of traditional norms that tried to cabin the male libido and 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 keep it civilized and courteous, you're going to get females in situations saying it's a lot easier to just go along with sex even though though I don't want to than to have to argue with a male about saying no. Wow. Okay. I, I, that's exactly the uh, similar what I heard you say several different times. And it really is, it, it captures a lot of the struggle, I think, that is the much harder thing to talk about. I think the, the American left wants to kind of make new rules and new rules at colleges and, and new standards. But really, the, the stepping back, the broad resetting or abandonment of norms it puts women in a worse position. And, you know, it's interesting because over the years, it is the uh, the conservatives who've tried to say there's, there's a reason for the standards we've set. I mean, many uh, biblically based, you know, the, the whole notion of what, what love and marriage and, and commitment and fidelity mean. But even leaving the religious aspect out of it, the, the traditional norms kept, they protected women and men. And it was the left that's pushed this. It's Hollywood and the, the over-sexualization of our society. And, and it was painted as liberation for women, but it actually hurt women. Right. I mean, that's what we're seeing on campuses now with this phony campus rape epidemic. There is not rape going on on college campuses, Debbie. If there were, you would not have these highly educated baby boomer mothers pounding the doors down to get their daughters into what is alleged to be a epidemic of rape. You know, it's not going on. But what is going on is a lot of drunken hookups, people that don't know each other, they have sex, and the females afterwards look at the guy in the class next day, and he's sort of twiddling his thumbs and has forgotten about the previous night and is on to his next conquest. She feels a pang of connection and is wondering why he's he's ignoring her. And a lot of these girls then say they they retroactively characterize their experience as rape, um, right. and, and, and what we have, is, which you mentioned, is this preposterous situation where the feminists do not want to return to a system of norms and restraint, and so they're trying to now regulate the male libido through these ridiculous bureaucratic rules. You have college bureaucracies now writing highly technical rules for sex. <laughs> yes. As if it's a, a car mortgage or, a, or you know, a, a contract for widgets or something. This is preposterous. Again, sex is the very realm of the inarticulate and the irrational. And it, and it is not a political problem. It's a biological and moral problem. And it you can't respond with politics and laws. Obviously, we need laws against the most grotesque abuses like rape, which is real violence. But generally, what we need to understand is that males need to be civilized, and you do that through norms. And harassment is also being characterized by the feminists today as, well, it's all about politics. You know, it's just a, it's just a way to keep females down. No, it's not. It's mostly just about sex. You know, <laughs> there you go, Heather. You know what we? I mentioned, I think, in an email, we have these very uh, firm breaks, eleven minutes, and I don't know if you can stay on or not. But I, I had a clip ready to play from your panel at Kenyon College. But are you able to stay on through the break or not? I don't know. Sure. How how long is the next segment? 
Uh, well, you don't have to stand the whole next segment. They're all 11 minutes, but the break is four minutes. And I, what sure. I wanted, okay. So, if I, Greg, can you quick hit, can you play clip two and then we'll go to the break? I'm maybe going to suggest the next year's conference topic, uh, which I think is even more important than free speech. The, the assaults on free speech on college campuses, the attempts to silence nonconforming speech through administrative fiat, brute force, and sometimes actual violence is a clear betrayal of the, what the university should stand for and model for the rest of society, which is rational discourse. But that is not the fundamental problem on campuses today. That is an epiphenomenon of what I think is the more important problem, which is the incessant cultivation of a victim mentality. I love that expression, an incessant cultivation of the victim mentality. And Heather McDonald, we do have uh, 30 seconds here, but I, I'll just tell our listeners, that was a panel at Kenyon College. It was on free speech. They had other people saying great things. But you were so good at painting the picture of the astounding opportunity American students have on college campuses and how we have somehow allowed the perception to morph from this impossibly wonderful opportunity to a notion that these these poor people are are barely able to um, lift their heads or so full their their lives are so filled with victimhood so we're speaking with heather mcdonald you just heard her clip from Kenyon college and after the break we'll let her tell us what she was talking about come right back Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. 
That's cis.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. All right, and welcome back. I'm going to talk over that music and jump right back in with Heather McDonald. And, you know, she writes on many topics and and always insightful. She is the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, a contributing editor of City Journal. If you're just tuning in, we played a clip at the end of the last segment that was from a panel she uh, was on uh, relating to free speech and preserving free speech. It was at Kenyon College. and But she made the point about she thinks the topic really isn't uh, or the topic of importance to be talking about isn't necessarily free speech, but the, and now I've lost, I, I took note, I can't find the paper, the, it, it basically the incessant uh, determination to instill the thought in people that they are victims. So would you elaborate on that? Well, you cannot be a student on a college campus today without being inundated with a particular narrative which says that there is never been a more oppressive civilization than Western civilization, and that to be an American college student today is to be either the target of incessant, constant racism, oppression, and violence, or to be a perpetrator of that oppression, racism, and violence. Students are being taught to hate. They're being taught to think of themselves as oppressed. This is a narrative that is perpetuated by the bureaucracy, by the faculty, and it is a 100% wrong. It is ludicrously wrong. Any college student today, no matter what college he is attending, is among the most privileged human beings in human history. He has access, easy access, to the thing that Faust sold his soul for, which is knowledge. 
the Renaissance humanists who spent their lives traveling from one monastery to another in Europe, trying to find manuscripts from the Greek and Latin times, would have killed to have access to what your average community college student has access to, which is virtually every book that's ever been written. The, one of the greatest Renaissance book collectors that had the most extensive library collection of the time. He had 5,000 books when he died. Kids today have access not just to every book that's been written. They have access to history, languages, scientific laboratories. There are millions of Chinese students at this very moment who are studying their butts off in the hope of gaining access to this allegedly oppressive environment for students of color. And, and the sad thing is, is that students that are being fed this lie that they are oppressed on a college campus are being, they're, they're being crippled for life. Not only are they not going to be able to seize the opportunities available to them in college, but they're being given a chip on their shoulder that is going to prevent them from seizing opportunities through the rest of their life. They're, they're seeing oppression where it does not exist. So much does it not exist, Debbie, that in virtually every selective college today, the colleges are so eager to have so-called students of color that they employ vast racial preferences in admissions. They admit blacks and Hispanic students with SAT scores that are a full standard deviation below those of whites and Asians. This is a destructive policy that sets the alleged beneficiaries up to fail. The same goes for hiring. Every faculty search is a desperate effort to find qualified minorities or females to hire. So it is empirically demonstrable that these schools, far from discriminating against minorities and not wanting them there, are bending over backwards to bring them in. And yet, the prevailing discourse on campuses today that is repeated every single day is that the minority students there are oppressed. Amen to that. And the faculty, and I've thought this many times when I see these campus protests and they have uh, that claiming some form of oppression. Uh, and I often thought, you know, where are the responsible adults on that campus to say, what are you even talking about? What, what do you even, you know, you know, you can, I mean, what is your gripe? Because I feel like the, I th- would think what happens with faculty administrator and administrators they think it's a, it's a virtue signaling, that, or they think they're showing their enlightenment or their tenderness toward people by playing along instead of correcting the record. It's incredible. I mean, they have many duties. I would say cramming knowledge into students' empty noggins is the most important. But, <laughs> but another is to, to make them into adults. And being an adult means having a rational fact-based evaluation of your situation. And and a student who thinks himself victim of racism on American College campus is living a delusion. So there's the virtue signaling that you rightly talk about, Debbie, but now there is an entire bureaucracy whose existence depends on this false narrative. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the expanding diversity bureaucracy you know, that grows every single year, more and more deans and vice chancellors and 
and, uh, you know, uh, provost of equity, diversity, and inclusion. The one at UCLA has paid $444,000 a year to, wait, wait, to, to nothing. To try nothing. to promote diversity and inclusion? That's how they gets paid? He gets paid to ride hard on the faculty and pressure them even further to hire females and minorities, regardless of the academic qualifications. Um, and so you have this codependency between these delusional narcissistic students uh, acting out little psychodramas of oppression before an appreciative <laughs> audience of adults. Okay. okay. You're, you're just wonderful with words, Heather. You're honestly amazing. Um, so uh, I urge people, we did put a link up to the... Uh, uh, to the entire panel that we just played the clip from and on the website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. I'll put it on our Facebook page to America Can We Talk. So, Heather, if people want to read more of what you write and, and, and hear more about you, where can they go online? Um, I, I guess the Manhattan Institute website, that's Manhattan-Institute.org, Manhattan-Institute.org. They have a page for a bio page for me, and I think that has most of my writing uh, in it. Yeah, you just write so many wonderful things. Honestly, thank you so much. That was really refreshing on both topics. And on a serious note, I dedicate the show to preserving America and the unique greatness of America and both topics we touched on. The idea of universities instilling love of America and the values of Western civilization that's part of what's required to perpetuate America. And even the, the, the more traditional relationship between men and women that made women safe and men behaving better is part of what makes American culture uh, a mature thing to be a part of. So uh, you've touched on things that, that matter to America. Heather, thank you so very much. Thank you, Debbie. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate Great talking to you. Okay, you know, honestly, she just, if, if you read, she, her book, War on Cops, was another great thing. I think, I think that's why we had her on. We had her on to talk about, about the War on Cops book. But it's data-filled about the, the false narrative, which actually our, our earlier guest, first our Candace Owens, made reference to. I don't know where her data came from, but she was talking, too, about how we're so misled by the media and the left to think that we're in, in the midst of a horrible, you know, a race war between the police and, and, and young black Americans. The one statistic that stuck out, stood out in my head from reading her lengthy book was that a policeman in America and a police officer in America is 18 times more likely to be killed by a black civilian than a black civilian is to be killed by a police officer. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, as my dad used to say. But I mean, seriously, the, she is full of data and all these topics. You know, we have had, we've kind of, in so many arenas in American life, we've kind of surrendered to the politically correct, we, with the popular thing to say, you're not supposed to say this, you should say that. We surrender to that, and, and these lady, women we had on tonight and many other people are just saying, no, we have to talk about what's true. We have to talk about what's true, Candace Owens. We have to talk about what's true within black America, that we, this is a, a wonderful country, and that we, are, you know, the, that we, we, of course, have pockets and individual problems with racism, but it's a good, noble country filled with people, and we can't live our lives in, in the victim mentality because we hurt ourselves. Same, and with Heather McDonald just now, that, you know, that refreshing truth about the greatness and goodness of America. Okay, 
We're almost out of time in this segment, and I, as I always tell you folks, and we're coming up on our last segment, and I can't believe that. Um, I, I have six stories I wanted to fit in. I'm just going to fit a little one in now before the break, which is you all probably followed that, that Donald Trump visited Davos, Switzerland this week for the World Economic Forum. And there was an article in the USA, I think U.S. News, uh, USA Today, one of those, USA Today ran a story that saying essentially Donald Trump is so unpopular in the world scene that he will probably go to Davos, and when he tries to speak, the room will be empty because no one cares what he thinks. It was a real slap at him, and just the opposite happened. Don Trump went to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, gave a stellar speech. Room was packed, standing room only, three other rooms with people watching the speech of Don Trump from a, a, you know, on a screen from another room. And as he walked out, when he finished, people followed him to want to talk to him. And he basically told the story of America that turns out free markets and freedom work. Our economy's back. Please come invest in America. More on this after we come back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. And welcome back to the very last segment of our show tonight. I can't believe it. Two hours have just raced by as they always do. I would say fastest two hours of my week and really funnest, if that were a word. It should be a word. So grateful for the opportunity to come and really every week just to talk about love of America, what it means to preserve and protect America for, for its future. We hit on a lot of topics tonight, and I do want to go to one more. Um, but back to the, the talk we had with Heather McDonald just a few minutes ago. You know, she is a really renowned sought after commentator on many many subjects she uh and and is just so a fabulous researcher her her uh research with respect to the um her book was called war on cops you know the real data and she brings out much of the real data about the uh that challenges the uh left's attempt to place to paint the picture that America is a um, deeply racist country where there's just all sorts of unjustified violence on on part of police officers. She just brings out data. It never, of course, takes away from or denigrates the truth that, of course, there is some racism in America. Same with Candace Owens, the first hour, you know, young black millennial, feisty, fun, smart, well-informed, who's basically saying, let's just get out the black community in America. He needs to get out of the victim mentality. Stop Stop agreeing with this picture the left tries to paint. They try to paint you in the corner as a victim, so you vote for them to give you stuff. And let, let's rise above this. So, but I would say about about Heather. Um, back to Heather McDonald for a moment. You know, I think that um, you know this show. I always say is about preserving America. It's you know an under is which is to do that to preserve America. You have to dig down to the roots of America and the morality that we were talking about that, you know, here we are in this 2018 with a me too hashtag and, and, and just all sorts of incredibly detailed, complex, uh, you know, know, intricate descriptions of people's dates and, and inappropriate behavior or questioning what behavior is appropriate. 
you know, America, beyond just uh, having had the traditional male-female roles in place for, for centuries, really millennia of human history, America really had its grounding in, in, uh, in setting the norms of relationships for most Americans, or at least many Americans, from biblical standards, from the, the basic idea of the, you know, the um, husband and wife and, and the, the notion of chastity and, and fidelity. And those, you know, those biblically informed standards inspire many um, families and churches to teach that to the next generation, to assume it's the norm. And, and those ideas have really blessed men and women. It's a protection for men and for women to have marriage be the, the assumption. And that, and so the, that, that whole, uh, culture of America and Christian America and, and, and Judaism too, but the, the scriptural culture of morality has been just clobbered in the last, I don't know how many years to choose, certainly 20, 30 years where it's not just clobbered, but mocked as though it's a, uh, you know, that kind of a simple minded, old fashioned, unnecessary to think of uh, people's intimate behavior in terms of moral standards set in the Bible, that we can instead just kind of go with the flow, whatever, you know, long as we're careful, long as we have consent, nothing else matters. And um, I, I do think that even deeper point to all the points that Heather McDonald made, and she was on Tucker Carlson making these points, and she was on many other shows but that there really is a place for people who understand that the that the significance of um, living of America as a Christian nation is that we have to reassert our values did not come from thin air. They did not come from, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whoever woke up one day and said, hey, let's make these values. Let's apply those that the values actually came from ancient you know, our, our ancient biblical scriptures, are the text, the teachings in Christianity and in Judaism, and that there is, we need to reassert there's a place for that to be spoken in America, that we don't confine those, that assumption of those values just to our particular family, our church, but these were values that really made America safer, more whole, more, and, and more, and more, uh, a better place for women and men. So anyway, um, I, I loved her thing. Okay, so now I'm really going to run out of time here, and I had several stories I wanted to mention. One thing is, I, I uh, in fact, when we were talking to Candace Owen, she made reference to this. Uh, there was a clip this week um, that went viral, doesn't even describe it, on um, YouTube. It was a clip by a gentleman. <laughs> a guy, okay, it is so funny. A guy named Jordan Peterson, who is Canadian. And he is a, I think he's like a psychologist. I'm sorry, I don't, he's a social philosopher, clinical psychologist, and he was interviewed by this British television journalist, Kathy Newman. And he's just a conservative Christian. I don't know if he's Christian. I mean, he's a conservative and, and, you know, outspoken, doesn't mince his words. Interviewed by this British, um, just hysterical liberal journalist, Kathy Newman. And I have one clip I was going to play from that. And then just to talk about the, I'm going to close that talking about the media and its effort to shape your views. So this is, I think, clip one, actually, Greg. You got in trouble for refusing to call trans men and women by their preferred personal pronouns. No, I want to ask that's not actually true. I got in trouble because I said I would not follow the compelled speech dictates of the federal and provincial government. I actually never got in trouble for not calling anyone anything. Right. That, that didn't happen. You wouldn't follow the change of law, which was designed not to once it was law. discrimination. No, no. Why that, well, that's your... what they said it was designed to do. Okay, huh. you cited freedom of speech in that. Why should your right to freedom of speech trump a trans person's right not to be offended? 
because in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. You know, like you're certainly willing to risk offending me in the pursuit of truth. Why should you have the right to do that? It's been rather uncomfortable. Well, I'm, I'm very glad I put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I'm you very glad that I have no, you get my point. You get my point. It's like you're, you're doing what you should do, which is digging a bit to see what the hell's going on. So and that you, is what you should do. But you're exercising your freedom of speech to certainly risk offending me. And that's fine. I think you, more power to you as far as I'm concerned. So you haven't sat there and... <laughs> I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to work that out. I mean... <laughs> ha, gotcha. You have got me. You have got me. I'm trying to work that through time. my head. <gasps> okay. <laughs> that's just a tiny clip of a lengthy interview between this Jordan Peterson, Kathy Newman. And the reason I wanted to play it, it is really hilarious because she tries at several points. He'll say something, you know, a a basic, fundamental, basic truth or some basic thing he thinks. And she'll try to say, oh, well, that means that. So you're agreeing. Women do not have the right to to thrive and and have equal pay. He said, no, I didn't say that. And she kept trying to put words in his mouth. And he's, you know, he's 10 times smarter than she is and well-educated and his views are thought through. And she just defaults to the left wing norm. She defaults to the, you must, that surely you're saying these things because you are racist or xenophobic or you're sexist or you don't like women or you don't believe that women should have equality. I mean, he ran circles around her because she didn't have anything to say except left-wing slogans. She did not have the capacity to process what he was saying, to respond with an intelligent question. So he was lost. I, I mean, she was lost. He ran. It was just, it went viral. People were picking their favorite clips and they were imitating. I mean, it was very, very funny. And this again is up on the website for org. So darn funny. And the reason it really, I mean, it's entertaining to listen to, but the deeper point is, and the reason I, I want to talk about in the show is that the media is continually, perpetually out of their minds most of what we used to call mainstream media, they don't even deserve that moniker anymore, but the left-wing media is in a mission mode to be sure that Americans see the world the way left-wing America wants them to see it. We are so led around by the nose, pulled around like little puppets by the media so often, and it is the job of alert patriots to see what the media is doing to recognize when it happens, to call it out, to not just instantly fall into place and say, well, I guess if I read it here, read it on Huffington Post, must be true. Read it in the Washington Post, must be true. It is an outrage how much the media holds itself out as journalists and in fact is truly instead trying to to shape the American people's views to fit theirs. I want to hit one story that bears this out, and it goes back to the story we were talking about in the first hour. What seems to be being uncovered within the FBI and the Department of Justice is a massive effort, a conspiratorial effort to, before the election happened, to dig up dirt on Donald Trump, to get a FISA warrant based on dirt that Hillary Clinton bought and paid for, to spy on the, this is your tax dollars, the federal, the machinery of the federal government used to go after Trump. 
And then after he won the election, it's continuing to go after Trump to try to this is this Mueller desire for an interview, this entire investigation. This is the message of the left. We will take Donald Trump out. So now that we have, you know, these missing text messages recovered, it was apparent there was an ongoing effort at the very high levels within the FBI to destroy President Trump. Here's what the Washington Post chose to report. And I talk about the media leading you around. There's a Washington Post article. Again, it's up on our website, americacanwetalk.org. The title of it is, title of this Washington Post editorial, GOP leaders' complicity grows as their members undermine the rule of law. You know the psychological term projection, like people accuse others of what they actually do? This is the Washington Post putting out an editorial, their editorial board, putting out a story to make the argument that the GOP trying to insist that they get information from the Department of Justice to do their investigation, the House and the Senate Intelligence Committees, that they actually get access to the data, to the documents, that they dare to let to consider letting the American public know the level, the depth, the breadth of the wrongdoing inside the FBI and the Department of Justice. The GOP desire to tell America about that is what the Washington Post is saying is complicity. It is, in fact, they use really, you know, ominous, warning, serious, alarmed words about, you know, the the conduct of these Republican leaders. They mention Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and a bunch of other people, including Nunes. They talk about undermining this, the trust of the American people in the FBI and the Department of Justice. No, I, I can't even go on. I mean, that you will, this editorial will make you sick. What you see is. This is the effort of the left to say, don't listen to what is going to come out in a minute. Understand anything you hear, anything you read about this, anything the Republicans say, this is all just an attempt to to confuse you, to delude you, when it's in fact the attempt is to bring out the truth about the depth of apparent corruption inside the FBI and Department of Justice. And sadly, we're out of time on this show. I cannot believe it. Great talking with you. I'm Debbie George Jazz. America Can We Talk. Come back next week. And come to my Wednesday 3 p.m. podcast on the Facebook page, America Can We Talk. We talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk. Truth About America. America.